0: Well, good morning, church. Please go ahead and turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 2, and we'll begin in verse 12, and we'll read through to verse 14. Uh, the Apostle John, he's been helping us as we've been looking through uh, this, this book, he's been helping us see what it looks like to know God and how to walk with Jesus and really how to love one another. And in today's text, what John is gonna do is, he's going to help every Christian see their battle, every Christian faces battles. We, so, uh, we face a lot of the same battles. Some of us face unique battles, but from the first century here in the Greco-Roman world, that who John is speaking to his audience, now to the 21st century suburb in North America, the battles really are the same. Our, our human flesh is the same. Our enemy is the same. Our temptations may have changed. But from John's original audience and to you and me today, we're in the same trench as them. We just happen to have indoor plumbing and Wi-Fi now, but our lives really aren't that much different. And John wants to help us see how to fight these battles today. So let's read beginning in verse 12 through 14. St. John writes by the power of the Spirit. I am writing to you, little children, since your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I'm writing to you fathers, because you have come to know the one who was from the beginning. I'm writing to you young men, because you have conquered the evil one. I have written to you children, because you have come to know the father. And I have written to you fathers, because you have come to know the one who was from the beginning. And I have written to you, young men, because you are strong. God's word remains in you, and you have conquered the evil one. This is God's word. As my kids, I thought about them while reading this passage, as my kids have progressed in soccer, it's clear that the coaching, um, the instruction, and the needs have changed, and it's very different between the two of them. With Oliver, you know he's, he's six years old. They're working on, and their practices, when they, when they would have practices, they worked on, stay in your shape, stay in your area. Don't invade your team's space. Ivy, who's, who's much older, her soccer coaching is footwork. Uh, more particular uh, talents and and skills they've got to work on. Um, Don't turn your hip when you're you're doing this kind of strike. Keep your shoulders and your hips squared. They're not teaching that to six-year-olds because as you progress, you need more particular counsel, more particular coaching. Progress requires particular instruction. And that's exactly what John gives us today. When you heard him dress three categories, little children, young men, and fathers. And we get, of course, little children and young men, young women, fathers, mothers. He's addressing these categories of Christians. Um, And he's using them, he's using family terms because that's what we are as a local church. We're brothers and sisters, we're we're a family in Christ. And he uses this metaphor to teach us how to treat each other and how to act, how to live, how to think. And what John is doing is he's talking about our journey and maturity with Christ, our progress. We all, we hear from the, in the gospel of John, John chapter three. What do we hear? What theme is introduced in the gospel of John chapter three? That as King James says, ye must be born again. You must be born again. And you enter into the kingdom of God. So everyone must be born again. And if you are a Christian, you've been born again. And so you've been born what? As a little baby, as a child. This is how every Christian starts. You've heard the phrase, as a baby Christian. That's great. That's great. That's true, we all start out as baby Christians. And then we become toddlers and then we become little children in our faith. And we grow and we mature and we scratch our knees and then we learn and we grow. And then we become young men, young women, tweens tweens in the faith. We got more understanding. We're becoming more Christ-like in our character. We're we're learning how to make decisions. We're, We're learning how to kind of improv and navigate throughout the world because it's one thing to read the scriptures, but now we've got to take this book and then now bring it into our real time and learn how to act it out. So we go from little children, then to young men, young women, and now fathers, mothers people who have become examples to other Christians, the Christians who now pour into other Christians, who teach other Christians, who mold other Christians, who, who these Christians are now teaching and modeling and showing others, here's how you follow Jesus too. John's talking about our spiritual progress. Now this doesn't always correlate with physical age and spiritual age. Spiritual age, sadly, doesn't grow by the calendar but it grows by working out your faith with fear and trembling, by reading, by praying, by obedience, by boldness, by faith, by trust, by living it out. New Christians are the little children from the passage, the young men, young women, those are the growing, blossoming Christians and the fathers, mothers, Uh, We never stop maturing, but they are the ones who are seen as wise, helpful saints in the body. We could call them veterans, veteran Christians. And that's the goal for all of us, that we would all get to that part of our walk with Christ where we've been walking with him so long and so faithfully that we can also tell others, hey, here's how you follow Jesus. Here's what we should do here. Here's what Jesus commands of us. But far too many churches are packed with consumers, Or to use John's analogy, we could call them high chair Christians, where it's just feed me, feed me, give me more. And what else do kids want in a high chair? They want food and they want to be entertained. We got to make them laugh. We got to entertain them, keep their attention. Far too many churches are packed with high chair Christians. And also far too many churches get stunted with young men, young women type Christians who are just content where they are. They're content with doing good, but not taking any of the next steps to really pour into other Christians and to teach them the scriptures and teach them how to follow Jesus. But what every church needs, our church too, what every church needs is more spiritual mothers and more spiritual fathers teaching and modeling how to follow Jesus. And that's a call to to everyone watching, every member of Redeemer, that you would become a spiritual mother and father. Because notice, this is not just addressed to pastors. John doesn't say, I'm writing to the pastors who are the fathers of the church. No, he says, I'm writing to all of the members, to you fathers, to you, we can include mothers. Because if pastors are the only spiritual parents of the church, that church will not make it. And I thank God that our church is packed with many spiritual fathers and many spiritual mothers, godly men and women who teach others, model for others how to really follow Jesus. And a healthy church has lots of little children, lots of little spiritual kiddos running around, learning how to walk with Jesus, and lots of tweens who are eager and who are growing and learning. So wherever you are, I hope you can look at First John and you might, there's no shame in thinking, man, I'm a, little, I'm a little child. That's okay. Or I'm a tween. I'm not a father. I'm not a mother yet. No, wherever you're at, keep growing. Keep going. Keep walking out your faith and heed John's call. So, Why does John tell them different things? Did you notice that? He tells the uh, little kids this thing, your sins are forgiven. He tells the young men and women, God's word remains in you and you've conquered the evil one. He tells the fathers, "Um, you know the one who came from the beginning. Why is he telling them different things? Is that only unique to each group? No, of course not. The little children aren't the only ones who've had their sins forgiven. The fathers and mothers and the young men, young women, they've had their sins forgiven too. So why does John give them a unique word to each unique group? I think it's because John is wisely and pastorally giving encouragement to the particular besetting temptations and hurdles of each group. He's giving counsel to the particular Sins, particular temptations, particular weaknesses, particular potential sins that are unique to each group as they are progressing. So what does John, let's see this. What does John say to new Christians, to the little children? Well, what do little children struggle with? What do little children struggle with? What do newer Christians struggle with? Doubts and assurance. So what does he tell them? You have been forgiven. See, it's at this stage as a newer Christian where you think, am I really forgiven? Am I really saved? And here John reminds them, your sins have been forgiven on account of his name, verse 12. So when you trust in Christ, when you believe in him and his death for your sins and his rising from the dead, you are totally pardoned for all of your sins. And John says, don't doubt it, little children. Don't doubt it. And listen, if, if, if you're in the young men, young women category, if you're in the father's, mother's category, you don't just go, okay, I'm gonna check out till it gets to my category. No, you pay attention so you know how to talk to the little children, so you know how to talk to the young men, young women. So we tell Christians who are struggling, no, you have been forgiven, If you've trusted in Christ, you have, notice the tense, have been, it's done. I love that. It's already taken care of all of your sins. uh, I've never been in an accident except in a parking lot with my truck, it doesn't have any cameras. It's not that new and not that fancy, but I was in the Verizon's years ago. I was in the Verizon parking lot on 1916, 249. It's gotta be the smallest parking lot in all of the greater Houston area. And it's so tiny, it's so terrible. And there was only one spot left and the other car in front of it, it was wedged in so weird. I had to go super wide. I had to take this spot. Or I was gonna have to go back out on 1960, which no one wants to ever go on 1960 and have to loop all the way around. It's a nightmare. I go into the spot, and as I'm going in, I thought I clipped the mirror of the other car next to me, and I did. I was like, "Oh, good," it was just the mirror. And then I look in my rearview mirror, and I see a pregnant woman standing behind me with her arms up in the air like this, and just going. And that's when I knew that it wasn't just the mirror. I get out, I see a long scratch along the side of her car, like. I'm so sorry. And she says, I just had this painted. It's like, ah. she called her insurance, already had my plate. I called our insurance. I'm telling hey, I just hit a car in the parking lot. Um, I'm sorry, blah, 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 blah. And they said, was it your fault? I'm like, yes, it's definitely my fault. And to my surprise, they said, well, would you like to have accident forgiveness? What's that? Well, that's where we would forgive your accident. Yes, I would like to have accident forgiveness. How much does that cost? Uh, Just about a dollar a month, accident forgiveness. Okay, I would love that, but I just committed this accident and I'm getting it now. So how does this work? That's okay. We'll just, we'll retroactively put it on there and we'll forgive that accident. You don't have to worry about it. Do you want accident forgiveness? Yes, I want accident forgiveness. Boom, done, postmarked. I have been forgiven of that accident and you have been forgiven of your sins. All of your sins. Today, yesterday, ones you have not even committed yet, they have all, hear me, they have all been postdated to 33 AD and they have all been geotagged to that hill outside of Jerusalem where Christ was crucified and to that tomb in the garden where Christ has been raised. You have been forgiven. So believe it. This is your reality. Do not doubt it. It is at this stage of your walk with Jesus. And and this can also happen other times too. This can happen here. This can happen here. It's It's more common in the earlier stages of your walk with Christ. It was for me. It's common to think, am I really saved? Is God gonna be done with me at some point? Is he gonna take back his gift of grace? John is saying, it's not happening. When he says you've been forgiven on account of his name, that you've been forgiven, not by anything you've done, but by what he's done. If you didn't do anything for you to get forgiven, you cannot do anything to become unforgiven. It's the name of Jesus. He says on account of his name. It's the name of Jesus over us. It's the name of Jesus on our tongues. It's the name of Jesus written on our hearts. It's just Jesus. And listen, however stable Jesus is in heaven, that's how stable your salvation and promise of eternity is. Mark it down. And I love the way Dane Ortland captures this in his book, his amazing book, Gentle and Lowly, as he talks about forgiveness and security in the Christian life. I'll, I'll just paraphrase it. He says, do you know what it would take for you, dear Christian, for you to lose your salvation? Do you know what it would take? Do you know what it would take for God to unforgive you? Here's what it would take for God to unforgive you. Jesus would have to be ripped off of the throne up in heaven. Jesus would then have to be sucked down out of heaven and put back into that tomb and it sealed back up and he would have to be lying there dead in the tomb for you to become unforgiven. And that's not ever going to happen. That's how secure you are. And it should cause us to rejoice that my sins have been forgiven. The new Christian, the new Christian is as forgiven as the veteran Christian. This is really key to, to see. The new Christian is as forgiven as the veteran Christian. Hear me, in the Christian life, we do grow in Christ's likeness, but you don't grow in Justification. You don't grow in forgiveness. You might grow in understanding forgiveness, but you don't grow in actual forgiveness. You don't advance in the no condemnationness that you have in Christ. Spurgeon said it so well, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. He says, the child of God who was born only yesterday is not as completely sanctified as he will be. That child of God that's born yesterday, he's also not as completely instructed as he will be. We have much to learn. That new child of God that was born only yesterday, he's not as completely conformed to the image of Christ as he will be, but he is as completely pardoned as the full grown saint. Your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. It's a new Christian you have been forgiven. Remind new Christians, you have been forgiven. Well, what does he tell to the young men and the young women? What, what, what does he say to those who are, who are growing, like all of us who are hopefully growing? What does he say? What's, what's, what's the word that he gives them? He says, you have conquered the evil one. You are strong and the word remains in you. Why does he tell them this? I think it's because it's at this stage where as we're growing, as as we're maturing in our faith, what's our struggle? We often lose to temptation and we get discouraged. And then we hang our heads. We feel discouraged as we're made aware of more sin in our life. As we see ourselves falling short it's easy to feel defeated at this stage. And John steps in and says, no, you aren't defeated. The devil is defeated. You see the devil for what he really is, a loser. So John steps in here and says, the young men, young women, you might feel weak and feel worthless when you fall short, when you've given in to sin, when you've succumbed to temptation. But John, as a loving pastor, steps in and says, no, you are strong you are growing, you are full of energy, keep going. There are more victories in your life than there are defeats. It's like any parent who's helping their child learn a new task. You encourage them, even if they just barely do it and they have a lot of failures before and a lot of after, but they succeeded just a little bit on that one, you tell them, good job, keep going, that's okay, we're not done, you're not done, we're gonna keep going. So listen, when you're in this stage, there there will be times where you you won't feel like a strong Christian, but John says, you are. You are a strong Christian because what does the apostle Paul teach us? Because in our weakness, Christ's power is perfected in us. When we are weak, Christ is strong in us. And this is why also John reminds us at this stage, the word remains in you. Remain in the word too. At this stage, as you're growing, you get discouraged, and uh, I'm reading and I'm praying, but I'm not. I'm not seeing any changes. I, I'm not. I'm not seeing anything. Well, it's like when you, when you're a high school kid, middle school kid, and you go through growth spurts. It's like all of a sudden, over the summer, we're gonna have kids in the church. They they were this tall all over summer. We'll see them again. Boom, it just happens. It doesn't happen overnight. It happens over time. That's why he says, remain in the word. Don't stop reading. Don't stop feeding yourself. Remain in the Bible, remain reading, remain praying because that is the calories and nutrients you need to grow. It's really that simple. There is no success in spiritual formation without the scriptures. There is no success in spiritual formation without the scriptures. And Satan, the the evil one, he wants to attack your joy in walking with Jesus. And the scriptures are the sword that we use to defend the attacks and to take the offense, to, to advance our, our, our joy. So pick up and read, pick up and read, and then pick up your chin and live out the word with Christ. So how are you getting the word to remain in you? I want, I want you to notice this angle. Notice he says, the word remains in you. Jesus also says, abide in my word. The word remains in you. Do you see the order? It's not just us remaining in the word, which is a true thing we need to talk about. I just did. But now it's also the word of God remaining in you, abiding in you, dwelling in you, residing in you. That's all those words mean. It's a part of you. It's forming you and and shaping you. This is how we need to view our relationship with the scriptures. Because sometimes we come to the Bible and our Bible reading and and all this stuff and we think, okay, I did it, check. That's not remaining in you. What good is it to do your Bible reading in the morning and then not remain in you throughout your life? Remaining, the, the word of God remaining in you is then when you are tempted and the word of God comes to mind. It's, it's when you're, you see your, your kid doing something that's, that's making you angry and, and then the Word of God comes to mind of how you should respond. It's when you see something on social media that's tempting. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's envy. And the Word of God comes to mind. It remains in you. It's, it takes what was in the morning and now it infuses it throughout all of like that wherever you go, the Word of God is now remaining in you. It is, it is now the inner dialogue of your heart where the Word of God, by the power of the Spirit, corrects impulses. Adjusting how you view the world, adjusting how you view suffering, how you view joy, how you view parenting, how you view success, how you view temptations. That's the Word of God remaining in you. And so you gotta read it to get it in you. So how's your CBR reading going? I hope you're keeping up with the community Bible reading journal. You can catch up, you can just join us tomorrow morning. You've got time, you've got time. We've all got time. How's your meditation of the scriptures? How's your praying? How are you getting the word of God to remain in you to where you can, to other R's, to where you can recall it and to where it becomes your reaction? So if you're in the young men, young women, the growing Christian, this is where we all are, but there's those seasons, those times, like, man, I'm not a baby Christian anymore. I'm not really discipling others, but I'm in this stage of growing. I'm a tween. If you're, your struggles, your temptations, and, and you're discouraged, no, no, you're strong. You're strong in Christ. The evil one's been conquered, he's a loser. Remain in the Word of God and let the Word of God remain in you. Now, what does he tell to the fathers? What does he tell to the mothers, to the veteran disciples, to the more mature Christians? What does he tell them? He says, you've come to know the one who is from the beginning, verses 12 and 14. Why does he tell them this? That's beginning stuff. They're the veterans. Why are they that? Why do they need to hear that? What's the temptation of this phase, this stage, of people who've been with Jesus for walking with him for a long time? The temptation is we could lose our zeal for him. This is what John writes in the book of Revelation. Jesus writes a letter to the church, to one of the churches and tells them, you've lost the love you had at first, the church at Ephesus. The same network of churches that John is writing to, they're in Ephesus. And John writes a letter to them from Jesus in the book of Revelation and says, you've lost your love, you've lost your zeal for me. This is the temptation, the struggle for those who've been walking with Jesus for a long time, who are mature, who are veterans in the faith. That's a potential blind spot for people who've been Christians for a long time to forget who it's all about, But it's about Jesus. There's a temptation that Jesus wouldn't be the center, that we begin to get enamored with other doctrines or obsessive about other things, and then we just begin to yawn at Jesus to where the good news is now becoming old news. And John says, I'm not gonna have anything new to tell you. I'm telling you something from the beginning. You know Jesus. How great is it that you know Christ, that he knows you, that you know the one from the beginning of all of this. Friends, we don't move on from Jesus. We don't move on from the one from the beginning. And we ought to stress the word know. No that you know the one from the beginning. The word know often in the Bible doesn't just mean data um, and facts and doctrine. This knowledge of Christ is two elements. And this word knowledge in the Bible is often always gonna be these two elements, personal and embodied, act out, lived out, animated, So when you truly know Jesus, it's personal and it's lived out in your life, always. You don't just know, okay, he's a crucified savior. Okay, Jesus is the exalted Lord. He's the eternal son of God, got it, check. No, when you know he's your savior, then you know he's your Savior. And you know he's your Lord. And then you live it out. You live like he's your Savior. You live like he's your Lord. You live like he is the center of your life. And when you know the one from the beginning, you remember, there's nothing else but Christ. I don't need to advance to anything else. I know him and he's forgiven my sins and his word remains in me, and I'm strong in him, and I know him. And when you know him, that just, that just gets your zeal ignited all over again. Like an elf, when, when Buddy the elf thinks Santa is coming to his store, and he sees him, he's like, I know him, I know him, and he gets so excited. When you know Jesus, your zeal, your love, your affection grows and you act on it, you live it out. When you know Jesus has made you new, you now know he's the hope for the world, he's the hope for your marriage, he's the hope for your singleness, he's the hope for your parenting, he's, he's the hope for your whole life, for, for all of it. You don't just memorize that, you live it. If you knew there was a, million, a check for a million dollars in your mailbox, that knowledge, you wouldn't just memorize it and recite it to other people. You would act on it and you would go and get it and cash it and live from it. And so if you know Jesus is alive for you in the heavenly places, interceding for you, loving you, leading you, you act on it. You respond to it. So if you're little children, if you're young men, if you're a spiritual father, a spiritual mother, wherever you are in these things, hear John's counsel and live it out. Believe these things. So together, Redeemer Church, let's, let's remember our sins are forgiven. Let's remember he, the evil one, is conquered through Christ. Let's remember Christ together, the one from the beginning. And let's progress in our faith. Let's work on our footwork Let's take our shape and let's follow Christ together. Let's pray together. King Jesus, would you help us? Those of us that are little children in our faith, would you help us to remember as we're doubting, as as we're having struggles, as we're wondering if we're really saved, would would these words be so sweet to us? We are forgiven. Our sins have been forgiven. And Jesus, as those of us, many of us, I hope all of us are growing and and, and maturing and and working out our salvation with fear and trembling and disciplining ourselves for godliness. Would you not help us to be discouraged as we fail, as we fall, as, as we don't see the growth spurts that we want, that we wouldn't listen to the lies of the evil one, but we would hear, no, I have conquered the evil one in Christ his lies have been exposed. And the word of the Lord remains in me, telling me I am forgiven, telling me I am new, telling me I am a co-heir of the universe, telling me I am a child of God. And for those in our church, Lord, that are spiritual fathers and mothers, would we, would we broaden our, our influence and broaden our reach even more and pour into other Christians and never lose our zeal for Jesus. Never lose the love that we had at first for the one from the beginning, the Alpha and the Omega, the Son of David, the Son of God, Christ the Lord. So help us King Jesus to to progress in our faith, to, to love you and to walk with you and to learn how to walk uprightly with you to the end of the age. And it's in your name that we pray, Lord, amen.